Welcome to the IonHoops.com podcast with your host, Guy Flotico. Hey there, Gale Nation. What's up? Season 4, Episode 7 of the IonHoops.com podcast, and we are now in season, finally. So the episodes will start to get a bit more frequent, uh, a bit sketchy over the next few weeks. But once we get by the holiday episodes, uh, we'll hit you once a week from there, pretty much. Uh, we have games to talk about and games to preview, but no question an encouraging start for Tobin Anderson and Yana Gales two games into the slate. What's more, we'll have none other than the one and only Jaden Daly from Daily Dose of Hoops uh, to help us take a look at the Mac, as that portion of the schedule will be here before we know it. It's really fast, and even the Mac weekend is a little earlier than normal. But before we recap what's happened and preview what's to come, we got Ion Iota. Iona, Welcome to Iona Jojo Wallace. The 6'4 shooting guard from South Kent was in attendance at the Meet the Gales event a month back, and he's a teammate of another Iona commit, Jacob Hogarth. He's the son of former Syracuse big man John Wallace, and one recruiting service said he's got a great handle and effectively gets to the rim, crafty finisher, three-level scorer, but also has lead guard skills with great vision. His recruiting was just getting going as Iona was in on him early, and NJIT appears to have been the only other offer he had. Again, welcome to Iona, JoJo. Iona, Iona. Iona women's coach Ann Zamillo once played for Tony Bazzella way back even before his Iona years at LIU at the turn of the century. Yeah, Tony's not that sentimental though. His Seton Hall Lady Pirates routed the Lady Gales in their season opener 75-32 this week. This one was over quickly as Iona trailed 22-6 after the first quarter. Hey, Seton Hall's among the cream of the crop in the Big East this year, so you toss this result out the window and get ready for the next one, which happens to be tomorrow night at 7 in their home opener against, you guessed it, LIU. Life is a circle indeed. Good luck to the Lady Gales in that one. Iona, Iona. I think it's time to spend a moment here on a couple other Iona sports, starting with men's cross country. Iona continued what has to be one of the longest running dynasties in sports anywhere in the world, winning its 33rd, 33rd straight MAC title a couple weeks back, and followed that up yesterday by winning the NCAA Northeast Regional. Entering the event as the number 27 team in the country, the Gales took down teams like number 8 Syracuse and number 15 Harvard to take the top spot in the region and claim a berth in next weekend's NCAA championships. And speaking of championships, the Iona men's soccer team will be vying for one tomorrow as the top-seeded Gales host third-seeded rider in the MAC finals at Mazella Field at noon. Iona's 12-3 on the season and has a computer rating that surpasses anything the men men's basketball team has done in recent memory including the Patino years. So here's hoping they can cap off what has been really a special season with a victory on the pitch tomorrow. All right, let's hit the offer roundup. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. The Iona staff has reportedly offered 2025 three-star point guard Preston Edmead out of Williston, Northampton in Massachusetts and Middlesex Magic AAU. The six-foot point guard is the younger brother of future MAC member Merrimax, Malik Edmead, and Preston's now got a dozen D1 offers, including Seton Hall, Hofstra, UAB, Manhattan, Bryant, and FDU. Stay tuned for more on his recruitment, as well as other offers. 
All right, it's time to recap our first two games as the Gales sit at 1-1 one one with a 10-day break before traveling to Florida for a three-game set. We've talked ad nauseum on this podcast about how Iona's going to need time to gel. There's going to be uneven performances. We're not even sure what we really have. Certainly Charleston was better positioned for this one at home. A few key players returning from last year's special year, including CEA preseason player of the year. And what's more, I broke the news right before the game that King Oz is out for a bit with a leg injury. Surely this is all recipe for disaster and the Gales are going to get murdered here, right? Well, not so much. This one was wide open in the first half, with Greg Gordon going nuts to keep Iona in it at 46-39 at break. And honestly, my thoughts at halftime were, were that the Cougars would pull away in the second half. But both teams were much better defensively over the final 20, and this suited Iona just fine as the Gales actually surged ahead toward the latter stages of this one. But then, the impact of no Oz did show itself as, as Andy Berzovic, a, a fluid 6-10, true Euro-style big, with just the amazing footwork that you can imagine that all true Euro bigs have really had no one to guard him at that point. And he made three buckets, I think in the final three minutes to ensure that the Cougars were going to win this one. The Gales executed a final play quite well, but was a Panzo's three at the buzzer fell off the mark and Charleston escaped with a 71 69 victory. The defense was there in this one for the Gales, holding the Cougars to 40, 42% shooting, only 18% from three. Gordon made a huge blast in his debut, putting up 18 and 14. And Don Tree, too, had 17. The O, though, generally struggled, shooting just 41% overall, 25% from three, and really tallying only seven assists. So the ball movement was not there, a lot of one-on-one play. Sultan Adewale didn't score, not only two rebounds, but he did some work on D in this one, blocking three shots, doing yeoman's work, guarding the bigger Cougars up front. And how about the freshman tandem with Jeremiah Quigley and Gene Aaron Gurren? Quigley had nine points, four rebounds, two assists, two steals in his D1 debut, and Aaron Gurren eight points and six, providing sparks during the second half push. Given what the Charleston program was last year and what they're expected to be this year, this was a highly encouraging performance despite the outcome, especially when you consider no Oz out there as well. Tobin told me a few weeks back that if we went to Charleston and played well, it would bode well for our entire season, and I think he's right. Coming off Charleston, expectations were high for the home opener against Sacred Heart. But if you follow Northeast basketball, you know the Pioneers are no slouch this year, picked as favorites in the NEC. This is a veteran team with three MAC transfers, and given that this was a bye game against a future league rival, you know Sacred Heart was going to try to make a statement. And for about 36 minutes, they did. Iona did not play with the same energy as they did Charleston, and it showed as the Pios absolutely shredded the Gales' pressure defense for repeated easy buckets and open threes for a good part of the game. And on the other end, Don Tridu was is the primary reason Iona wasn't blown out in this one, quite frankly. Um, Tritu had 19 in the first half as the Piles had 49, 40 to 39 at the break. And he finished with a career high 34 as he valiantly kept Iona within striking distance. Then with 3.36 left, all NEC weapon, Nico Gallette for, made a pair of free throws but Sacred Heart up, Sacred Heart up 80 to 75, and you just wondered whether Iona was going to find a way. You just wondered if this was a growth opportunity for the team as a whole. Wonder no more. 
The Gales finished the game on a 13-1 run, sparked by Joel Brown's five points and two steals during that stretch. And Iona came away with an improbable 88-81 win. I didn't see that final segment coming, I'm honest here. So really, kudos to these guys for finding a way to shut the door against a veteran, talented SHU team quite frankly spent most of the game lighting them up to the tune of 51% overall, 50% from three, led by Galette's 20 and 10. Iona's offense, which really struggled in the first half outside of Tree 2, found its balance behind better ball movement in the second, in the second half. And for the game, Iona made 48% overall, 14 of 28 from three. Got to work on the free throw shooting, though, just 12 of four from the line. It was no doubt Tree 2's day, as he was seven of 12 from three, and route to that 34 spot. Weza Penza also started to find the range after going 0 for 5 against Charleston, made 4 of 10 from 3 for 12 points, and Brown's late push wrapped up a stat sheet filling night for him. It's 10 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 5 steals. And how about the Frosh again? Ottawale started to come onto his own in this one. 8 points, 9 rebounds, 3 blocks. Caligli had 9 points and 4 assists. It wasn't Greg Gordon's night. He was in foul trouble throughout, and he had 8 points in 13 minutes, which is nice, but he only played 13 minutes. Got to keep him on the floor. But again, this is one of those performances you're going to see. The team is still coming together, playing several freshmen in the rotation. It's a recipe for uneven play. DMs I was receiving during the game are alarming. If you think this team is just going to roll over everyone from day one, you don't have an understanding of what this process is. Just chill and relax. Let's try to avoid le hashtag ledge life for a while. I mean, sure, with under four to play, I wasn't sure we were going to find a way. And I wasn't thrilled about it either. But as the cliche goes, you got to trust the process. And this team took a major step last night in my eyes, collectively finding a way to get over the top in a tough spot when they really didn't play well throughout. Now I'm going to present to you the full press conference from last night with Adon, Weza, and Coach Tobin. You done? Just take me through this night. Got going early in the first half, and you were able to hold it into the second. What did they show you out there that allowed you to take advantage? I mean, uh, you know, coming to the game, we had a we had a game plan for them. Obviously, it didn't it didn't start off how we wanted to. It was a real close game, but my teammates, in all honesty, man, they just we play in practice every day. They know the type of player I am, and they just got me open. So you know, what I mean, a lot of a lot of things we do offensively, but it's it's, it's credit to my teammates and. JB Wes and you know they got to they got to respect those dudes so they got me open. Was a uh, the way this game went, you just kind of had a feeling it was always going to go down to the wire. But then the last four minutes, you guys kind of almost like grew up as a team. Tell me about like how that went. I mean, uh, this just reminds us of practice. Uh, in practice, we do get a stop and get a score. So we just thought about that. We came together. We said, "Yo, we do this every day in practice. So let's do this again. Lock in and get this win." Feel good to get a couple threes in? Finally. <laughs> Finally. Feel good now. To follow that up, what, what was Tobin's message to you guys down the stretch where they were up six, up four in the final five, six minutes, and what allowed you guys to come together and lock down on defense? Uh, Tobin, he really just said it's a long game. There's a lot of time. Game's not over. Don't give up. So uh, there's one thing he always says is don't blink. Mm. So I think that uh, that's what we did. We didn't blink. We just kept going until the end of the buzzer. How is it for you uh, coming in from Stetson, getting here to Iona in this atmosphere? It's crazy. Uh, I never really had an atmosphere like this where all the fans are really engaged and like the fan base is amazing. So just to have everybody here, people watching the game is really uh, important, especially for a home court advantage. It's 
it works a lot. And how's it for you coming in from Harvard, uh, you know, being here? Did you play here when Harvard was here last year? I, uh, I did. I did play here. Um, crowd was exactly the same. We actually played them the first home game uh, as well, and it was the crowd was rocking like this. Um, was part of the you know the the thought process when coming to Iona. I knew that the crowd and the home court advantage and, and the rich history that Iona has was going to be a big part of of our culture here. So yeah. For both of you to play Charleston so close Monday night and have a shot to win it at the buzzer. How much confidence did that give you guys going into tonight? Uh, I mean, we we felt that we were gonna go in there and win, so. We were mad about that, obviously. Um, tonight, we, we were confident in our game plan, but we didn't execute at, at the beginning, so that hurt us. But I, I feel like our whole team is confident. We really know who we are, and yeah. we just, you know, we're just trying to get it together. It's a whole new team, so it's going to go. Well, so how do you feel about the team defensively uh, and where it's at and, and where you need, you need to improve? Uh, I think we, we're pretty good defensively with the press. we got to improve our press, obviously. But uh, that team, they played uh, the, the press style before, so they knew how to kind of play against it. But uh, we definitely mm -hmm. have to play harder. I think uh, this is one of the better defensive teams I've played on. So I think we're going to keep on proving. Very good. Don, with, with 10 days off now until you guys play again, no. uh, what do you think needs the most work? Like now that you've had two games under your belt, what do you think has to be improved the most? Mm -hmm. We're going to, you know, coach, the way coach practices are, we're going to keep going at it in practice 100%. There's no, there's no, you know, kind of going through the motions, trying to get ready for these games, giving each other rest now. Like, we're, we're going 100% in practice. There's obviously things that we need to work on that show tonight. Credit to that team, man. They played hard. They hit great. They hit big-time shots. Um, but we, we, we have to be together on, on the defensive end. I think most importantly, offense is going to figure itself out. I think in the press we got to stay uh, stay solid, you know, maybe less gambling, but you know that's all going to come together as we play together more. It seemed like um, Sacred Heart was able to handle your pressure most tonight, but I was curious if you guys thought that the constant pressure, the constant press all night, kind of wore them out a little bit in the final stretch would help you guys take the lead in the closing minutes. Yeah. That's something you guys might have noticed. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, this we've been here for five months now. We've been doing a lot of conditioning. Coach is big on being in shape. We're going to be the best shape team, so. Just pressing them, pressing them is going to wear them down until the final score and it shows. So, how about about Joel Brown uh, being able to make the uh, two scores uh, when you're trailing by a point? Uh, you got the kind of finger roll and then you got the three point shot from the top of the key. I mean, Joel's a veteran, yeah. veteran guard, man. He played in the Pac 12 for four years. I think he played 122 of his 125 games, some crazy stat like that. Uh, that's some somebody we count on, man. He's he's the leader. He's the he's the point guard of this team, and um, we we rally behind Joel. He's a, he's a dog, and I told him that when he hit that shot, I said I said you like that, man. You like that. Like, <laughs> no, we needed that. Especially so. with me, I've been playing with Joel my whole life, so that's always been my point guard. So I have the most confidence in him, and he's gonna make plays down the stretch. And how is it just putting this team together? Uh, uh, from all different parts of the country, yep. uh, a whole new roster coming together. How is it to blend the team together? Um, I mean, you know, obviously this is our first two games, and, you know, nothing's going to click like that. But we've been together for five months, you know, five hard, long months in the summer, practicing every day, going hard, So, and we're with each other 24-7. So while this is a new team, I think we have a pretty good feel for, um, for each other and the camaraderie. 
Um, but it's, it's going to take some time. Obviously, it's not going to happen like that overnight. But you know, hopefully by by game five, you you see the difference with uh, the play the play style. Was well, the same question. How is it bringing this group of players together and making it gel? Uh, it's really great because I mean we've been together for a short time, but it feels like I've known these guys for years. Like everybody, we're so close together. Uh, we bond together. Like you said, we're always together. So, and we go through a lot of adversity. We build our own adversity in practice and through the summer. So that just made us closer together. Right? I mean, when's the last time you scored 34 points in an official game? It's high school, man. <laughs> high school. <laughs> high school. <laughs> you know, but yeah, high school. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you, guys. I think uh, start with just an opening statement about thoughts on the game. Yeah, it was good to get, good to get a win. Um, found a way to get a win. Proverbial, just, um, you know, what do they call it? They, they took a victory for the jaws of defeat. I mean, I thought we were dead in the water most of the, most of the game. We found a way to get a win. I got guys played well down the stretch. We've been good, like, the last both games. I will say this. We've been good. Down, like, the last four minutes of both the last two games have been very good as far as Making plays and execute, and I thought I thought Joel Brown was a, had a shaky start and played really well like the last four minutes. I thought Edan played well. Um, you know, we got hurt on the glass. We got hurt. You know, our, our, our our depth was not as good. You know, and I jumped him pretty hard. I thought our preparation. It's hard. I think game two is the hardest game because game one you're excited for, you're fired up, you're all you're all you know down in Charleston. It's the place is packed. We didn't have the same kind of life to us before the game and things like that. But we found a way to get a win. So much better to, to win that game and move on than to to to, to get beat. So no, I'm ha happy with the win. We'll learn from it. This team's got to learn a lot, and we're gonna we're gonna get better. So we'll take it. So after the U four, the rapid maturation of this team. What can you say about that after how they fought back against Charleston Monday night, and then the same thing here tonight? Yeah, we showed some we showed some guts, right? I mean, we showed we showed some guts. I thought guys guys, um, you know, our backs were against the wall a little bit. I mean, we were at a certain point we're down six or seven. Like we don't make a, a run at that point. We're, we're we're beat. So I thought our guys showed a little bit of, a little bit of guts, a little bit of toughness. Um, you know, we're not good enough right now, because we're all new, to not be that way, way all the time. I thought at Charleston we were, we were that way for 40 minutes, but on our two scrimmages we were, we were too. And tonight we kind of like eased into the game a little bit and you just we got ourselves in trouble. And, and with that being said, Sacred Heart's a good team. They're an experienced team, one of the oldest teams in the country. We knew they could be with a chip on their shoulder, and I thought they played well. And quite frankly, deserved to win. You know, I told that to Anthony. I said, I think you guys, deserve, I mean, we're, their head most of the game deserved to win, but we were able to, to get it done. So um, we're going to get a lot better. This team will improve more probably than any team that I've ever had, and probably any team in the country, just because we're so. No guy on our team had played in Heinz until tonight. It's the first time those guys all be in there in Heinz, and, and so I think it was um, just something new for them. You know, we'll get better. Sully is such a different player from Oz. Do you think it's just taken them a while to get used to not having Oz out there, just the different <laughs> style of play that the two guys? Yeah, they're bring? two. They're two totally different guys. I thought he actually did a lot of good things tonight. He blocked some shots. He rebounded. He was physical. Um, I mean, in, in, in the way we had a play, and so he's playing eight or ten minutes off the bench, and he's playing a role, and he comes in, he gives his energy and toughness, and now he's being asked to do a lot. I mean, he guarded – we had to switch ball screens the last, like, eight minutes of the game. He guarded guards pretty well. He listens well. He picks up things. So, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, right? I mean, he's, he's got he's to do more than he probably, we probably wanted him to do initially. But, you know, for, I, I, thought he played, I thought he played pretty well. I've watched the tape, but I thought he played pretty well. But, yeah, he's different. He's not a – Perimeter guy at all, he can't make a jump, a three, so it's like he's got to bang, he's got to be physical, you know. Um, I thought Saunders came off the bench and gave us some good minutes the first half. He's more like Oz. He's just yeah. not physically ready right now. And, and Isaac Bryce the same way. Those guys have to, they're, they're going to get better, you know. We get 10 days off here, thank God we get a chance to go back to work and, and get better for Florida. 30, you, always say, you always say you press for the entire game, that's your style. 
But when you, a tonight like tonight where Sacred Heart didn't seem to have, for much of the night, a problem with your press, uh, you just keep playing it anyway, but maybe in a way it wore them out a little bit for those final four-minute rally. Yeah, I thought the press in the first half was a, was, a, was a disaster. You know, it was a, it was a layup drill, you know, and, and like, well, that's what we do. And so, like, we're not going to abandon what we do. We're going to have to get better at it, you know. And so, I mean, I, I'm st maybe that's stubborn. Maybe that's, that's, that's you know, we, we've pressed for, we pressed two, two, ex two scrimmages in Charleston, and we were, we were fantastic. And then tonight, was, was, it wasn't them, it was us. We didn't have any energy. That, you know, I mean, why was the press better the second half? Well, we, there was a whole lot more energy with, with how we played. So, um, yeah, I'm with you, Jim. I thought it, you know, about, about, about 10 minutes ago in that first half, we should stop pressing and just go back and play half-court defense. But, you know, I also think with a new team, if you start, uh, you know, abandoning ship and bailing out and doing, trying to do something else, you're, you're going to find yourself in trouble. And we're, we're thinking long-term here. You know, obviously getting the win was, was huge, right? But we're also thinking about how does this team get better? And it's like, hey, we're not going to just abandon ship because you guys don't want to play with the effort that we need. We have to learn how to play that way, you know? And I thought we eventually got to that point, and they were a little bit tired at the end. But, you know, JB, JB had a huge, uh, we call it a back tip. It came from behind, tipped the ball. It was a great play. We could do that in the first half, too. That, that, that's, that's allowed in the first half as well. So, um, but no. Talk about Joe Brown kind of leading that rally in the yep. final minutes. What do you think about that? Yeah, I took him out to start the first uh, two minutes of the second half. I thought it was terrible, and I told him that. You know, and he's a great kid. He's an unbelievable kid. He wants to do well. And so I took him out, and I was on him pretty hard. Like, like Joel, Joel's not a great, and he actually hit some shots down the stretch. Not a great offensive player. He's got to lead with his defense, his toughness, his, his getting loose balls, things like that, which he wasn't doing. And then to his credit, he came back, and he played great down the stretch. So, you know, I think mental toughness is like when you're having a bad night, finding a way, no matter what happens, to play well when it's needed. I thought for his mental toughness to play great, you know, I thought Edom was pretty good tonight too. Like, when he got tough, those guys, they, they played well. Now, for us to win and win big, we got to be better for 40 minutes, but but I thought they played well when we when we had to, you know, um, yeah. For 30, Good. 35 minutes, it seemed like you couldn't get a second guy to step up. Greg fouls out. Oh. Joel and Weza came on down the stretch for them to pick up Edan and yep. not let his night yep. go to waste. What does that say about the supporting cast? Yeah, I mean, I think we're deep, you know. I didn't, we didn't we, we were able to showcase that depth tonight. Because you know we, there were some guys who didn't you know didn't play as well as we thought. We, we want to go nine or ten deep, right? If we're not going nine or ten deep, it's because somebody in that rotation is not giving us what we we need out of those guys, right? So we were had a kind of short rotation, which made, put a lot of pressure on Edan. Edan played a lot of minutes tonight. What did he play? He played, he played a ton of minutes. Him and, and Wes played a lot of minutes. Like that's too many minutes. Thirty-two. Thirty-two. Like that's hard to play that way. We pressed the whole the whole time. But I thought I thought JQ was was pretty good at times. I thought he was good. You know, Gene's got to be more aggressive. Gene's got to try to score a little bit more. I think he's, you know, he's he's content right now to be, a, you know, I've coached three Venezuelan kids and they're they're wonderful kids and they always want everybody else to score and have fun and it's like it's like it's like um, what's the what's the government over there? It's it's a um, I've lost my mind. It's a um, everybody gets everything right. You know, Gene's like, hey, let's you know, points for you, points for you, points for you. Gene, go socialist. Go, go yeah, socialist. There we go. Right. I'm gonna, Right, like Gene, go score, man. Go play plays. Like, we're like Gene, go do something. Like, 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 he wants to just make everybody else happy. So, um, as time goes on, he'll be a little more aggressive. So, and that will help us. But like you know, Alex, Alex Bates gotta give us more minutes. Those guys will all get better. You know, Coach, uh, Iden Tree down thirty-four points. Is that the kind of game you want him to have for you? I thought, I thought he was terrific as far as like he got a great movement in the second half. Um, he forced a little bit early on in the first half, but I thought he, he moved well. He, he cut well. He's, you know, we've asked him to change a little bit. He wants to go sometimes off the dribble too much where he's more of a catch-and-shoot guy. He was a great catch-and-shoot guy tonight. He, he's got to learn how to play without the ball. Yeah, he was, he was in big shots too, made, made, made big plays. 
Um, he defended too. Like you know, it's it's amazing how your defense a lot of times gets your offense going. I thought that was his best defensive effort he's had all all year. So um, that that got his offense going. Is it fair to say he had a calming effect on the team tonight? I kind of thought that. You done? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. We kind of need a little bit of life. He gave us a little bit of life in the second half. There's there's a point where he was like, you know, if we if our guys are not exhausted and like needing to come out, like we we, say, we get a fist in the air. We always say if you get tired, get a fist up. Right? We don't see fist in the air. We're not playing very hard. I thought at halftime, not enough guys were sweating. Yeah. I was sweating. No one else was sweating, right? So it's like it's like like when it was in Charleston, we were exhausted, right? So we got to get to that point. Where we play that hard all the time. And I thought I thought he he got us going with his energy. I told him that too. And that kind of was a little bit contagious. Weza was good. I thought Weza was great. Like I don't know what Wes shot. What, what, what did Wes shoot from three? Four or ten. Yeah, so I mean he didn't make I mean he's gonna make. I mean he, that that guy makes shots. He didn't he's not shot the ball great so far, but I think he's doing a lot of other things. He's defending, he's 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 talking, he's leading, which is which is really good. You know, and like listen, the reality is, you know, Greg Gordon's one of our best players. He 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 didn't have it tonight. You know, and I was trying to get Greg and he didn't get any foul. Like we, we needed like a good four or five minute spurt from him. He just couldn't get to that spurt. And with him not being great, like he not had to play well, Wes had to play well, and they did, which is good. And JB played well. You mentioned Gene and JQ, the plays that they made on defense in the final minute. What can you say about their effort and how they've grown up? Yeah, I love those guys, man. They're great. They're great. And they, they, they really, they really, you know, um, as freshman guards, and we played, we played, like I said, we played two, we've scrimmaged two eight ten teams. We played down at Charles. We played a night. Like, they haven't blinked. They haven't batted an eye. They've 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 been mature. They've handled things well, um, especially JQ. He turned it over at one point. I said, JQ, back in high school, you go score thirty. I said, stop being so damn passive and go make go make plays. So he's got to make plays. I think he made a shot down the, down a stretch where he got he got laid out in the basket. Made a good play. So yeah, I like I like those two a lot. And as time goes on, with J with with Joel Brown and Don and and then JQ and Gene, those four guards should be like interchangeable, you know. And we'll go we'll play three of them together at a certain point. You know, so it, we're a work in progress, as you can plainly see. You must be frustrated with the free throw shooting tonight, obviously. What was the free throw shooting? 12 of 24. All right. We were 12 for 24? Jeez. You know, I shot in college. I was a hell of a free throw shooter. I got me it's time for a free throw clinic where I actually show, help show guys how to shoot free throws. I, I couldn't do, I couldn't guard anybody. I couldn't do anything else, but I could shoot free throws. So I didn't know it was 12 for 24. You got a big rate coming up. You can, yeah. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're working on our free throw them. shooting. Yeah. I tried to work. Yeah, we missed. We missed a bunch. I, I mean, I think about it. We missed a bunch. To, like he done a couple down a stretch. So you know, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to work on that. We actually shot some free throws, which is good. We didn't shoot many in Charleston, but we shot some free throws. So Coach, is there a personality you really want this team to uh, adapt or a style that you want them to be at? Yeah, like tough punch in the face. You know, go go after people. Like be aggressive. I thought we were just too passive to start the game tonight. Like I, you know, we came out like we we got the lead, but it didn't feel like we we imposed our will. It's like you said, Jim. Like we just felt, we felt like they kind of like handled our pressure well, handled stuff pretty well. Like their defense kind of bothered us. So I thought at Charleston, we got beat by Charleston, but we imposed our will down there. We did not do that tonight. We did not impose our will how we ought to play. So I want to be tough, aggressive, um, you know, going at people. And I didn't think we were like 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 we should be like we should be able to go. We did this at Charleston. Play hard for three or four minutes. The next guys come in. We almost go to our bench and get better. You know, our bench, our bench, because those guys are fresh and they're ready to go. That didn't really happen tonight. So we're going to work on that. We'll get better. How'd you like your first game in Heinz? I loved it. That was awesome. The crowd, the crowd was incredible. The fans were incredible. The students were great. I mean, the place was packed. So hopefully they'll come back and keep, keep, keep encouraging us and keep playing like that. We're going to get better, too. I, but I thought, I thought, like, the last three or four minutes, the place was rocking. It was, it was awesome, you know. So, um, you know, we'd like to make it a little bit less uh, stressful for me and, and my 
family, but otherwise, otherwise it was, it was awesome. But no, a great crowd, great turnout. We were stressed too, Justin. Listen, I'm, and I'm exhausted. As Matt knows, I was at the cross country thing today. I, I ran, I must have ran four miles today trying to watch the cross country team at the, at the, um, at the regionals down there. So I, I was maybe a little bit burnt out for that. I was, my, my energy was probably not as good as it should have been either. So uh, I'll have to get more rest on game days. Putting Greg back in with 7.30 to go, is, is that in line with how you would typically play it, or was it just trying to do something? Yeah, like we got a little bit of trouble. Backs against the wall, we had him, and he wasn't, you know, he was not playing well. So it's kind of like the longer you sit sometimes, the worse it gets. So it's like, listen, give him a chance. Maybe he starts playing well. He makes a run for us because him sitting here, he's just getting cold. He was kind of out of it a little bit. So, you know, I thought his, he got his third foul at the start of the second half. It was a bad one. And like all of a sudden, you're, you're like, he's got to come out for a while, and that, that really hurt us. So it hurt, hurt him. You know, he's, he's got to – it's all new. He's at Dyersburg Junior College last year. You know, he could do whatever he wanted to there for the most part. He's got to adjust to, to games. And, like, now he played well at Charleston. Well, teams are going, to, are going to game plan for him and try to take certain things away, and he's going to have to adjust to that, you know. Um, but, no, I, I like to play guys even when they're in foul trouble sometimes. I wouldn't say four with, with 730 to go. I mean, and, and it, in a real, in a great world, it'd be, we get to the media last media timeout. He played like the last four minutes, but he wasn't. You know, it was kind of like we had to get him a chance to do something. You know, but um, yeah, I, he'll he'll get better. Coach, I'm going to ask you a couple weeks ago. You're not going to have Shema and Gordon for your first home opener. Uh, you probably thought you were going to be a tough night. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> we miss a lot. I mean, Oz, Oz, Oz is Oz is like so special because he's so smart. I mean, Oz, and you can just tell at halftime he was he was irritated. So. Um, yeah, it's not it's not not ideal. I mean, there's not one guy who had been in Heinz before and a whole brand new team, but but um, that's not our. You know, we got to get better. We have enough we have enough weapons here to be a good to be a good team. So we're you know, and like I think it's a great opportunity for us to get better. And then when Oz comes back, you know, the, the guys who are playing more minutes now, the you know, um, Sully, Saunders, Isaac Bryce um, should get. And we're gonna need those guys in Florida. We're gonna play three games in three days down in Florida and go to Colorado two days later. So four games in six days, we're gonna need those guys to play. And that should help us in the long run when Oz gets back. Because I, you, we only had Oz for for about for a half against Fordham. It was a lot more fun with Oz out there. So, but it is you know, part of a lot in the press, right? The press, the offense. I mean, he's just and he's so smart. He runs so hard. He plays. Just knows he knows what to do. He talks. I mean, you wouldn't believe Oz talks a lot on the court. Okay. He just he's like a point center. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Like we, you know, we didn't know how good he was until that we the Fordham scrimmage. We're like, man, he does a lot of stuff for us. So and like he's picked up our Howard how we play. Like, I mean, he knows everything. So, you know, but the reality is he's out for, for a while. And, you know, it ain't the end of the world. We got, the other guys got to step up. And so, and I think we've shown signs, you know, but we need, we need more. What's the focal point in the next 10 days as you get ready for that, for that trip? Just do what we do. You know, like, we got, we got, like, we, we got to be, we got to be, a, if we're, you know, our, our press, we, our press has been really good in the first, the first, like I said, we, two scrimmages and one in the game at Charleston. And like it wasn't tonight. It's gonna get back to being that good all the time. You know, our press makes us different. You know, and then our half court defense could be a little bit better there too. I thought we got hurt in the glass. What was, what was the rebound? I mean, I, I mean close, close. Yeah, I mean, they, I think they hurt us some, some big offensive boards. That's gotta get a little bit better. Thirty-eight um, to thirty-seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With Charles was we minus one. So I think you know, pressing how we press, um, developing some of those young guys to play bigger, bigger minutes. And then um, I thought offensive was a little bit stagnant at times. Gotta work on our offense. But you know how we play. Is, is different, you know, it says how our, our system is, it takes more time, you know, so, um, and patience is not one of my strong points, so I'm having to learn a lot of patience, but, but I mean, I'm exhausted, I, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta be honest with you, so we'll, uh, 
I need I need tomorrow off. So you know, we're we're gonna get better though. I'm, 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 I love this team. I really I like this team a lot. I think this team has a chance. To, we have a tremendous heart. I mean, even tonight's win, like it wasn't pretty. We probably didn't deserve to win, but like they got a, a lot of heart to make plays at a stretch to find a way to get that win. So I, we'll, we'll, and I, that's 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 special. So we can be a really good team. You, yeah, you, you told me three weeks ago. I asked you well, what you thought about the Charleston game, and you said you, you went down there and, and you really played well, and it was a close game that it really bodes well for the team. You did that without Oz. How are you feeling now about the team? As when I walked out of Charleston, I said to my staff, "We've been there for a long time." I said, "We're we're gonna be in trouble on Friday," because let's let, let's be honest. I mean, it's it's on social media. Wow, I don't play great. They play they play great. They really, really look, they look good, better than they thought they're gonna be. Everybody said the same thing. They looked really, really good. That that they all read that stuff, right? So it's like, and I, I said, human nature is to relax and feel good, and like, hey, we got this thing. We're gonna be great, you know. Well, you know, how we don't even know how good Charleston is, right? So I think they beat Duquesne. So it's like there's it's 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 such a, a new season. So you know, a, a mature team, and we're we're mature as far as we have some old guys, but we're not mature together. Would have come in today and been like, hey, we gotta take care of business and have the same energy. We didn't have that, but I think we're gonna learn that as time goes along. So. Um, yeah, I, I knew I knew we were in trouble um, walking out of Charles tonight. You know, because uh, I saw all the every I mean, everybody's patting us on the back and like you guys are doing great and saying nice things about me, which I don't mind. But, I, but you have to if to handle the if to handle the right way. I'm, I'm also older. I can, I can handle that kind of stuff. You know, my wife thinks the team's great. My wife thinks we're going to the Final Four. I mean, everybody's got to just take a deep breath, <laughs> calm calm Thank down. You. Thank you, know. you, Coach. Thanks, right. Coach. Good. Thanks. All right, guys. Yeah, great to see everybody. I'm excited to be heading to Florida for the Gulf Coast Showcase. Let's preview the tournament, shall we? We take our normal look at High Point, a little more dialed back previews of Long Beach State and Illinois State, who would be our opponents in the second round, and we'll touch on the other four teams on the other side of the bracket as well. Let's dig in. We all know Iona hit the portal pretty hard. So did High Point taking on 7-7 seven, seven transfers. So that team that went 14, seven, 14 and 17 a year ago, I forget about them. It's a new roster. It's a new head coach in Alan Muss. Uh, the Panthers were picked seventh in the Big South preview uh, preseason poll uh, this year. Um, Duke Miles is the player to watch. The transfer from Troy is a 6'3 junior guard who averaged 14 points and shot 47% from three last year. Sound familiar, Weza? Of note though, Miles didn't participate in HPU's exhibition win over Division III Pfeiffer or in their actual first game against NAIA school St. Andrews. Maybe he has a minor injury and they figured they'd rest him against those kinds of opponents? Who knows? Their D1 opener is today at Wofford, and they have another game at Queen's U in Charlotte, so we'll see his status in those games. Anyway, as I said, they hit the portal hard and brought in some weapons of note. Most notably Trey Benham, a 6'4 junior guard from Lipscomb who averaged 6.6 .6 points, and Liam McChesney from Illinois State, 6'9 grad forward who averaged 6.5 points. The one key holdover is sophomore guard Abdullahi Tiam, 6'4, averaged 13.6 points, 4.1 boards. So this is a team that wasn't great last year, has a lot of new pieces this year, and who knows, perhaps their best player is not even gonna dress. Feels like this is a game we should win, they do have deceptive talent from what I can tell, and like us, they should be better later in the year. But we should be able to find a way to survive this one in my eyes, especially with 10 days to prepare. Win or lose, Iona will be taking on either Long Beach State or Illinois State in the next round, the next day. 
and either team presents a challenge. Hindered by injuries last year, Long Beach entered, enters this year picked second in the Big West Preseason Bowl, and they've got a solid quartet to contend with. We start with a couple Traore junior forwards. Uh, Abu Bakar Traore is an all-Big West honorable mention selection last year, and junior forward Lasina Traore, uh, the reigning Big West newcomer of the year, and he's a first-teamer, uh, were both picked all-Big West preseason first team this year. Uh, the two were the top rebounders in the league last season, uh, Lasina grabbed 10.5 boards a game to go around to go along with his 12.9 points per contest. Abu Bakar pulled down 8.8 boards a game with 10.1 points and 3.5 assists per contest. Backcourt's loaded too. Senior guard Marcus Tusahanis, who sent who set the Long Beach State single game scoring record with 46 points in a win at UC San Diego, and junior guard Jaden Jones, the 2021-22 Big West Defensive Player of the Year who also averaged eight points per game, will be fun. They also have Alabama A&M transfer Messiah Thompson. He's just 5'8", but he makes 41% from three. And 6'6", sophomore A.J. George, who averaged 8.6 points and made 41% from three as well. Uh, solid bunch here. Uh, this is going to be a test for us if we get to them. How's Long Beach State done so far? Well, their lone game thus far was at Portland, where they were a three-point favorite and fell 78-73, so a touch of a surprise there. Jones had 23, Tassahanis had 17, Abu Bakar Traore had 16, 9, and 5 in the loss. And they've got three really tough games in a row to come before they even get to Florida. At DePaul tonight, at San Diego State Tuesday, and at Michigan Friday. Wow. So, they'll be battle-tested when they get to Florida, let's just say. Um, all right, we now shift to the Missouri Valley, where Illinois State was picked eighth in the 12-team high mid-conference. Here, senior guard Darius Burford is the one to watch, preseason all-MVC third team, 13 points per game. They also have 6'8 forward Kendall Lewis. He averaged 11-7. and seven. And here's a name from the past, Monmouth transfer Miles Foster, whom the Gales were reportedly pursuing in the portal. He'll be, he'll be an Illinois State starting lineup, probably. 6'7 senior forward, averaging 12-5 and 6.6. Uh, uh, last year for the Hawks. Illinois State hosted NA NAI School Lords to open the season, 19-point win, and played their first Division I game tonight against an old friend of ours, St. Louis. They'll also host Eastern Washington on Wednesday before getting to Florida. So all told, Long Beach State should win this quarterfinal matchup, and we should be able to find a way to survive high point. But that semifinal is going to be a tough one for sure, and if we find ourselves in that loser's bracket, I won't be a cakewalk either. The other side of the bracket has Louisiana taking on Wright State and Hofstra taking on Buffalo. Good, good name mids here. So it's, it's certainly not a slouch of a tournament by any stretch. Not going to dive into all of these teams in huge detail since we're only going to face one of them. But we'll touch on each one, hitting on where they were picked in their league, their best player, and what they've done to date thus far. We'll start with Louisiana. They were picked fifth in the Sun Belt preseason poll. Their guy to watch will be Themis Folks, junior point guard. He averaged nine points and six assists last year per game. They opened the year with a 72-62 win at home against Youngstown State, and Folks had 20 points, seven assists in the game. So they look pretty good. Uh, Wright State was picked third in the horizon, and they have the league's preseason player of the year in Trey Calvin, a six-foot grad guard who scored 20 points per game and shot 39% from three last year. 
Wright State did not get off to the start they were hoping for, though. They were absolutely mauled at Colorado State, 105-77, despite 33 from Calvin. The Buffalo Bills were picked. Bills. <laughs> the Buffalo Bulls were picked ninth in the Mid American preseason poll. Uh, the player to watch here is six six guard, uh, senior guard uh, Isaiah Adams. He averaged twelve points and five assists last year. I'm sorry, five rebounds. Uh, and Buffalo though was upset at home by hmm FDU to open the season ninety two. They lost ninety two to eighty six. Adams had twenty eight eight and five in the loss. Finally, we have a team that we will see later, and we'll certainly dive into more at that time, but let's touch on them now anyway, and that's Hofstra. We know Charleston was picked first in the CAA. Hofstra not too far behind, picked fourth. Tyler Thomas is that dude for the pride. He, the grad 6'3 guard averaged 16.5 points and shot over 40% from three last, uh, last year. Hofstra fell in their only game against a D1 foe thus far, losing at home to a really good Princeton team, 74-67. Like I said, we're going to get into them a lot more when we play them for sure, but just wanted to give you a little taste. All in all, this side of the bracket's a little bit of a crapshoot. Feels like Hofstra may be the best team out of the four, but in this sort of setting, strange things can and have happened, so who knows. And looking at the entire bracket, I don't think there's a bad team in this entire tournament. Honestly, they all have potential, certainly. Uh, but there's also no team that's purely great. I think Long Beach and Hofstra are the safest bets to reach the finals, but certainly that doesn't mean the Gales can't do it. With 10 days to prepare, Iona will hopefully fix a few things, and then with three games in three days, expect to see everyone get their share of run. It's also going to be a growth opportunity for sure for this team, and hopefully the Gales can get out of Fort Myers with at least two wins. So I know we've got Florida on our minds, but we're also keeping an eye on our fellow Mac brethren and we've seen some interesting results in the league thus far. But I wanted to make sure we gave you a good feel for what we should be a really fun and balanced Mac season. And who better to provide that feel than the one and only Jaden Daly. I will note that we did record this before any Mac teams played any real games. So no results we've seen thus far were factored to our discussions. Uh, hey, Jaden's a busy guy. I wanted to get him on while I could. So here's that convo as Jaden and I take a look at every team in the Mac. Enjoy. So it's not Iona basketball season around here until we've heard from the one and only Jaden Daly from Daily Dose of Hoops. If you didn't hear the Twitter space that was hosted by uh, P. Janney and Fairfield Frank back on November 1st, Jade and I both made guest appearances and Jaden, it was Jaden, not me, but Jaden went on for a couple of minutes about how happy he is that Tobit Anderson is the basketball coach at Iona University and not that guy who jumped to Jamaica at halftime of the UConn game. Jaden, welcome back to the podcast. And I want to give you the floor for a moment to reiterate some of those thoughts that you uh, shared on that Twitter space about Tobin. Well, Guy, thank you so much for always having me on. And yeah, after the last three years where you and I and just about everybody else who considers themselves Iona Media really didn't get much from an access standpoint, from a press conference standpoint, it's just refreshing to have a guy who knows our names, a guy who is committed to upholding the tradition, knows what he's walking into, 
and is building it along with everyone from every walk of life, be it players, assistant coaches, alumni, season ticket holders, donors, boosters, what have you. I, I, I feel like I'm covering Tim in 2011 again when I first started covering the Mac. And it's not, it's not a slight to Rick Pitino. It's just a different demeanor that Tobin Anderson has exuded. And I think this season is going to be a very good one by the end of it for Iona. It might not go as planned early on with so many new pieces and unknown variables that need to be worked out and, and tested in live game situations. But I think over time, you're going to see a product that Iona fans are going to be very happy with and very satisfied to uphold its winning ways. Yeah. And, and I've told this story uh, to, to people in person and uh, on this podcast, you know, for three years, we covered uh, that guy in Jamaica and he didn't know our names. And, you know, in, in two weeks after Tobin got the job, he was on this podcast and I had his cell phone number. Um, it's just a different climate. I know the Iowa athletic office is, is thrilled with the changes. Uh, and, you know, it, it's just just the energy that Tobin exudes and the positivity and the the very happy to be at Iona vibe is a real one compared to the fake one we just endured. Um, I do want to note for all the listeners that we are recording this prior to any games being played, uh, even though this is airing. This is going to be airing after the Gales have played a couple of games. So none of what you're going to be hearing will have been influenced by any early Iona or Mac results. Uh, so I just want to let everybody know that, you know, Jaden gets awfully busy. So I wanted to grab him before we actually tipped off on uh, everybody tipped off <laughs> on November 6th. So, so that actually may be better though, in a way, because this way we're not overhauling any predictions or projections for anyone based on a game or two from early results. But I will say this at the time this recording recording Jaden and I, do have a leg up on most of the Iona universe and that we were able to attend a practice back in August. So we got a taste of what to expect from this team. Jane, before we dive into your Mac picks, what were your, some of the thoughts after seeing that practice back in August? Well, having met Tobin Anderson in March and seeing how his FDU team operated when I covered an NEC quarterfinal across the river in Hackensack, I got a similar vibe to how he wants his Iona team to look and operate from that FGU team that obviously went on to make history and be second number 16 seed to beat a one in the NCAA tournament when they beat Purdue. But you're going to see an up-tempo attack, maybe a little smaller than you're accustomed to from the three years of Patino and some of the later Tim Kloos years. But you're looking at a team that is very versatile, very interchangeable, you can see a guy like Brett Gordon playing a small ball four at times. I think he'll be one of the leading rebounders. I want to see more of how Osborne Shema might be used. I think he, he can play inside and outside this year, which is going to be very good for Iona, maybe not so good for the rest of the Mac. Weza Panzo is a great shooter. I, I liked what I saw from him in practice. I think Edan Tritu and Joel Brown are going to be similar to A.J. English and Sean Armand and how they ran the floor and defended on the other end as well. They might not have the production that A.J. and Sean had, both averaging 20 points a game or close to it, but they're doing things that affect winning and improve the team's bottom line. And you got to love that. In, in year one, with so many new pieces, all but one player on the roster, just having come in over the last six months. 
Yeah, and of course, that's the question that we've been asking Tobin since he got the job. Is how do you how do you rebuild this? How do you start over? How do you how do you just put all these pieces together? How do you get him into a cohesive unit and start playing games? Uh, you know, we saw some uneven results, and even in the scrimmages, uh, you know, I thought the result at Fordham. Uh, tying Fordham is, is a pretty good result given where Fordham is right now, as much as we Iona fans like to you know, poke fun at their history. They're, they're a pretty solid team entering this year, predicted to be top half of the A-10. So to go there and tie them uh, it was, it was a great result. Um, the UMass result wasn't as impressive. UMass actually picked lower in the A-10, uh, but Iona was also a little banged up for that one. Um, hopefully we are healthy as as the season gets going here, especially because we did talk about how challenging the uh, the non-conference schedule is going to be. Um, and you certainly don't want to see, uh, you know, a poor record, you know, come out and it's going to it's going to make a lot of people second guess some stuff. Uh, so hopefully so hopefully we are healthy and, and can grow as a team. Um, but obviously, as we've seen in some projections, um, people do expect us to be right there in the thick of the Mac race. Um, and so I think it's a great time now to get into that. A couple episodes ago, you guys all heard the Mac picks on this podcast. I was down in Atlantic City. Um, and now we get to hear Jaden Daly's uh, variances. <laughs> there are quite a few variances uh, from what he's got and what the Mac coaches picked. So we're going to go in reverse order. There was one. <laughs> we do have one pick that was exactly right, uh, equal, and that was the Manhattan Jaspers. But, you know, we do have one re- result that we can talk about here a little bit to maybe show that maybe we're all kind of poo-pooing the Mac a bit this year. But I got news for you. After watching the St. Joe's game, if Manhattan's the worst team in the Mac, this league might be pretty good. Yeah, it looks batshit crazy on paper, but the parody in this league, Guy, you mentioned it on, on the space, and Pete and Frank, who are normally on our panel, broke away and did their own this past week. But if there's one year that you get that 11-way tie at 10-10, and 10, it could be this year. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I didn't get to see the Manhattan exhibition game. I was on the way to Seton Hall NJIT in Newark. So I'm only going off the live stats, but... Very encouraging signs for John Gallagher and the Jaspers. I I do want to see how they look early in the year. They could be good. They could be not so good. But that that goes for every team. That goes for every MAC team. So we'll see what happens. I'm going to say, though, that Manhattan is playing with house money this season. Not much is expected of them. So anything they get over the mean is gravy for them. Yeah, and and I think that is going to be a theme as we go up the line here and look at the rest of the teams is – there's going to be a lot of uneven performances. There's going to be some performances where teams just look great. And then others where you're just scratching your head like, well, they didn't show up tonight. And that's going to, that's going to go from Manhattan all the way up to the top teams um, as we'll get to. Um, okay. Uh, so that way we each, uh, everybody had a Manhattan as an 11th. That's just kind of by default. I think for a lot of people, given what happened there, um, you have Maris 10th, uh, the Mac had them eighth. So pretty similar, uh, uh, so no, no, no real faith that uh, even with Brickner, uh, that the uh, Foxes are going to be making any rise in the standings. It's just so hard to replace a guy like Patrick Gardner in this conference guy. And as much as I love John Dunn, as much as I know he can use the run to a championship game last season as a foundation, Maris just hasn't proven it the last several years. And we saw how difficult it was when J.D. got the job and then in year two had to replace Brian Parker. It was a very long year for Maris. And I think you're going to see the same thing when you have a, a seven footer who's playing in the G league now, 
leaving a huge void in the middle. I, I don't know if Isaiah Brickner can make that jump yet as a sophomore. I don't know what the front court's going to look like. There are a lot of unknowns in Poughkeepsie. And I guess it's, it's blind faith in John Dunn that most of this conference knows what they're getting from him, that they're ranked a little higher, but I need to see it. Okay. Um, St. Peter's, uh, you have him at ninth. The Mac has him at 10th. I have him around. I think I have him around ninth as well, but I also believe in, in, uh, their coaching. So, and I think, um, I do like some of their pieces too, but again, that's one of those teams that it's going to make you scratch their head. Um, what do you think about St. Peter's? Yeah, it's, it's very hard to look at Bashir Mason's track record with three NEC championship game appearances at Wagner in 10 years and dismiss it. But he's got a big mountain to climb. Isaiah Dasher has graduated, so you don't know who his leading scorer is going to be. Corey Washington might make a jump. Jaheim Tanksley, their junior college point guard that was supposed to come in and be one of the leading scorers, is out for the year now. He broke his leg. So I'm very interested to see how they overcome that. Latrell Reed has to improve on both sides of the floor. If you've heard Sam Fetterman in any of our spaces, you know the uh, the passion that he has for, for Reed and his product, or lack thereof. Yeah. But I, I do think St. Peter's is a, a transitional team this season in that they're still a year away from being a year away, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, so next one is kind of one of those teams that looks like they could be in the top half of the league, but then you, their situation may have changed that, that uh, potential a bit in Fairfield. You've got them eighth. The Mac had him sixth. I had him, I think I seventh. Um, I, I really didn't believe in Jay Young, so I don't think that's it's going to matter that much that he's not there. Um, but Fairfield has has talent. Uh, your thoughts on the Stags? Yeah, I don't think the coaching change is going to make as much of a difference with Jay out and Chris Casey being the interim, who we remember from his days at, at Niagara in the last decade. But I think a lot of it hinges on the health of Alexis Yetna. If, if he is back before the new year, and that's great for Fairfield. If he's going to miss more time than initially projected, then that's not so good. Fairfield needs to find a consistent scorer, maybe a second consistent scorer alongside Caleb Fields. Arima Sec, their transfer from New Mexico, is already injured, and he's going to be out for a while. It's going to be a long non-conference season for Fairfield playing very young up front. And... I think that'll take its toll on the freshmen and the sophomores who didn't see much playing time early in the year, which is not good come conference play. All right. Now we have one of the first where there's a pretty significant variance from uh, what the Mac came up with and what you have and what I have as well. Um, Sienna Saints at seventh. Uh, the Mac picked them fourth. I've got them pretty high as well. I'm, t- I'm all team CARM, hashtag team CARM. Uh, but you don't see it. Why is that? Well, that's because I don't know what we're what we're going to get as far as a waiver on Sean Duregord. I I was basing my Sienna pick off the uncertainty. If he gets the waiver, they're a top five team. No question. Arm is a winner. We've seen it. it. It'll come together a lot faster. But if he doesn't get the waiver, Michael Ely is the only consistent source of offense on this team. So I don't I don't know if Sienna can piece it together early and then make a run late, you 
Carm's teams the last couple of years have started out hot and then maybe peaked too early. Mm-hmm. So, so Siena was the, a, a mid-pack team as presently constructed. Okay. All right. We have another variance here uh, with Canisius. Um, you, have him, uh, you have him sixth. Mac had him third. Um, I actually had him a little lower because I, I really don't believe in Spoon. Um, but, you know, I do believe in Taj. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of the grips? Reggie always gets his role players to step up every year. That's the best thing about him. And Canisius was picked third by virtue of bringing just about everything back. They only lose two players from last season. Yako Fritz transferred to Hofstra. And other than that, Tosh Tavesky is back. Xavier Long's back. TJ Gadsden is back. Trey Dinkins is back. Canisius has pieces. It's just a question of whether or not Reggie can pull it off. The Griffs have not been projected this high in the MAC in, in five years when they had to call Wilson and Isaiah Reese and by all accounts should have won the league. Mm-hmm. But that was the year that all hell broke loose in the tournament and one, two, and three were already knocked out before Iona took the floor. That's right. That's right. All right. Now the biggest variance we have uh, between your picks and the MAC uh, poll, uh, and that's Niagara. You've got them fifth. The MAC has Niagara ninth. I'm more aligned with where you've got them. Um, why do you have them so high? Greg Paulus has done probably the most underrated, underappreciated job in mid-major college basketball, keeping Niagara in the top half of the conference. He went into the portal and got a lot of experience this season, even as some of his guys transferred or graduated. And I think he just has a handle on his team and his program that nobody else in the conference has right now. That chemistry and that synergy is going to play out very nicely and he's got a history of getting up transfers from D2, Kobe Nawandu, Aaron Gray. And this year it'll be with Malik Edwards, the NAIA transfer. I think he'll average 15 points a game and be an all-conference guy at year's end. Niagara has a lot of intriguing pieces, and their style of play catches so many teams off guard. Plus, they have one of the best home court advantages in the conference by virtue of everybody else making the Buffalo trip and usually splitting it at the very best. All right. All right. Now we cracked the top four and we have another variance here. Uh, Mount St. Mary's, you've got them at number four. The Mac has them at seventh. Um, somewhere in the middle on both on them. Um, why so high on Mount St. Mary's? Well, the way everyone praises John Dunn and Bashir Mason for their, their past track record, you got to do the same thing with Dan Engelstad. He's only two years removed from winning the NEC with Mount St. Mary's. And he's got deceptively strong pieces in George Tinsley and Josh Reeves and Dola Adebayo and J.D. Cordelia and also Dakota Lafue, who's the first-team all-conference shooting guard who's back this season. If he had Jalen Benjamin for another year, if he didn't go into the portal, this is a top-two team in the MAC. I like the way the mount plays. The style is perfect for the league, and I think you're going to see this team. Last year, they caught fire at the end after – an arduous December and January, you're going to see this team pick some teams off late in the season, and they could go into Atlantic City as a wise guy pick to win it all. Well, you know, you, you made a comment about, you know, the portal impacting them. I think we can say that about the entire league, but I digress. Uh, next one up is uh, Quinnipiac. You've got him third. Mac has him fifth. I actually had him lower than both of those. I'm not a huge believer in Tom Pecora, but you obviously are. Why do you like Tom? Well, people seem to ignore that Tom Pecora coached Hofstra for 
nine years and won in a much tougher league. This was a CAA that had VCU and George Mason in it and Old Dominion, who was really good too, with Plain Taylor back in the mid-2000s. His resume and his experience is just perfect for the Mac. And he's inheriting a 20-win team. Jones and Courtright are gone, but he's got pieces. He has Matt Belanc and Savion Lewis, two 50-year guards. He's got Paul Otieno, who might be the best big in the league, all things considered. And the way he has recruited already, you can see him somewhat reinvigorated. He's out to prove that his five-year reign of error at Fordham, which was largely due to circumstances beyond his control, was a fluke. I think Winnipeg is going to be very forwardly placed. All right, and now we've hit our top two, which is pretty fairly consensus from what we've seen all around. Uh, Ryder one, Iona two. Let's leapfrog Iona because uh, we'll talk more about the Gales in a minute. But let's go to Ryder. Is this the year <laughs> that Kevin Baggett breaks through? I don't know if it's the year, but Ryder has to be the preseason favorite just on the heels of getting Mervyn James and Alan Powell back. When you have two all-conference guys that – by default, through attrition, become two of the five best players in the league, you're definitely sitting pretty. I want to see what Tariq Ingram does up front. I think not having Tyrell Bladen, not having Nehemiah Benson is going to be more of a challenge for him. I'd like to see what the Wheats brothers do in the backcourt. DJ Dudley is supposed to be a really good freshman. Ruben Rodriguez, same thing. Corey McKeithen is the veteran point guard who sat behind Dwight Murray and Stevie Jordan, who tore his ACL as a freshman, so he's a, a fourth year, a fourth year junior, so to speak. I, I want to see how the bench and the third and fourth pieces come together for Ryder before I make any judgment on them. I picked them number one as the safe pick, just with James and Powell coming back, and with so many unknowns that I own it. It was, it was the easier pick to make, and I admit that. Okay, so. Iona's second. A lot of people had Iona still near the top, even despite all the changes. Um, is it too much faith in Tobin, do you think, nationally, uh, that everybody's just assuming, well, he, he'll just keep it going there? Is, is it a little too much faith, or do you, or is it maybe just too much Iona tradition of being good? Um, or do you really think he has the second-best team in this league coming in? I think it's a mixture of all three. I, I think Tobin's big win in March is part of it. I do think it has less to do with Tobin and more to do with Iona's overall consistency, yes. But I also think it has something to do with what he was able to bring in over seven months on the job and getting high major talent, getting well-respected incoming freshmen for this level to come into Iona and be a part of something right away and see a, a decent share of minutes. I think it's a combination of all three. You're always going to have, other than 2006-07 and 07-08, Jeff's last year, Kevin's first year, you're always going to have an Iona team that's going to be not just a tough out, but a team that's most respected in the conference, like it or not. And I think you'll get everybody in the league to admit that whether they want to or not. Iona is just always there. And that's not a bad thing. All right. Uh, with uh, player of the year, I mean, I think a lot of people uh, were probably were aligned with, with Mervyn James. Um, 
I guess you could have gone a couple different directions, but he was the most obvious choice. So there's really nothing to debate there. You did go with Ahmad Henderson from Niagara, rookie of the year. I think it's a great choice because you can just see that it's not even just, well, who looks good coming in? Who's going to have the opportunity? And I think Henderson's going to have the opportunity. Who else did you have in mind for that, for rookie of the year candidates? Hard to tell because I haven't really seen freshmen and I, I usually gauge it off what little recruiting I pay attention to and how much each coach talks them up when I speak to them over the summer. And Greg Paulus mentioned Ahmad Henderson about four times in the first three minutes with him. Sam told me that he was very explosive in high school at Brother Rice in Chicago, which is a highly respected program out there to my knowledge. Plus, Paulus has had great guards. He's had Marcus Hammond. He's had Noah Thomason. And I think Henderson falls right in between those two or maybe right under those two in terms of overall potential. I don't know if he'll be there all four years, but he'll contribute right away. All right. And going down through the first team, um, you know, you've got James, you've got Michael Ely, you've got Belonk, you've got Lefew, you've got Tosh Vesky, um, all, you know, really not many differences between the first second team you can quibble about a spot here and there but there was big one big difference on that second team i want to call out and that's that uh, you had george tinsley on on the on all, from mount st mary's on the second team uh didn't make any all mac team so what, what were you thinking there well uh, i usually pick my all conference and i said this on twitter too the way the coaches normally would which gives a nod to seniors and rewards winning as opposed to some other sites and some other prognosticators that have incoming transfers that get on all conference teams sight unseen usually doesn't happen in the Mac. In fact, this year's only the second time in my 12 now going on 13 years covering the lead that I've seen a transfer get on a preseason all conference team. The only other time was two years ago with Shavar Reynolds at Monmouth. So I based it on what was coming back and what could ultimately be expected? I think George Tinsley is going to fly under the radar at Mount St. Mary's. Engelstad has a lot of bigs. Maybe that worked against him in a sense, but he could be, could be a 10 and 8 kind of guy, which is normally good enough for second team if you have a, a top half team in the conference. Yep. No question. And then really, um, even the third team, I mean, you quibble, you have somebody on from, uh, you You have, uh, let's see, you went with Gatson instead of um, Long. Uh, uh, you went with Latrell Reed instead of, of Washington from St. Peter's. So not much to quibble with there, but I, uh, I, I own a fans may have a, a, a quibble with you as two Gales made the third team for all preseason, all Mac and Joel Brown and Don Tritu, and none of that, neither one of those guys made it. How do you justify putting Iona second and only one All-Mac uh, guy for you? Well, again, the incoming transfers. I, I want to see how they adjust to the lead before I go ahead and, and make a premature judgment. I, I mentioned this a couple of years ago when I left Tyson Jolly and Elijah Joyner off my preseason teams as well. Sharky was the one who actually asked me about it. And I, I told him, I said, I normally don't pick transfers sight unseen until I have a chance to to watch them and evaluate them in person. And sure, sure enough, I was proven wrong. And I expect to I expect the same thing to happen this season. I I tend to lean more toward what what I know and err on the side of caution this time of year. But come March, you're going to probably see 
at least 10 of the 15 spots totally different from where I had two weeks ago. Yeah. And, and this year is just such a mystery. I mean, you just don't it's know. Gonna, it's it's impossible. Yeah. I mean, this, this, the whole league is just, you got such got ravaged so much that you just don't know who's going to play a role and who's not, and who's going to fit into what system and all that. Right. Um, and, and so it, even just picking the standings, like you said, I, <laughs> it would be epic. <laughs> if we all went 10 and 10. Uh, Cause it's, it's certainly on the table. I think this year, I mean, you know, Ryder as good as they look on paper, you can see them maybe not quite being as good. Iona might struggle a bit. And then you see uh-huh. Manhattan's probably going to be, you know, might be better than we all think St. Peter's same thing. And then all of a sudden you're looking up and you can see everybody between 12 and eight, eight and 12 for sure. So going to be a fun year in the Mac for sure. Um, any other overall thoughts on the Mac you want to share uh, before we let you go? And do you, do you think the league could be better than you expect? Or do you, do you think we're in for uh you know, maybe a playing round game in Dayton this year? It could be. I do think the Mac winner, unless it's Iona or, maybe Ryder because Ryder has a good non-conference schedule, Marquette, Maryland, Nebraska on there. If it, if it's somebody outside the top two preseason who wins the league, they're probably going to Dayton, but that's not a bad thing. That's a chance to, to get a win in the tournament and get more units for the conference. So you got to look at it that way. I, I do think whoever wins the league is probably on the 16 line, maybe maybe on the 15 line of fall hell breaks loose in some of the other leagues. I, I don't want to say it's going to be a complete down year from last season, but it, it's going to be a readjustment. That That's what I'll call it. Okay. And I can't let you leave without getting your take on our two new uh, members of the Mac that'll be joining us in sacred heart and Mary Mac. Uh, what do you think they're going to bring to the league? Uh, do you, how do you see their programs over time? Okay, well, I haven't been around Sacred Heart for a little bit from when I still paid attention to the NEC and having covered Anthony Latina as long as I have. He's a good dude. You'll you'll get to know him and love him, especially on November 10th. My goal is to have him come up for the post-game press conference, if at all possible. Sacred Heart's going to be a, a very strong team. The way they've normally done business is by developing players for four years. It hasn't worked as well in the last couple seasons because guys have left, but they're a, a defensive-oriented team with some good offense. They're a, a mid-to-high 60s kind of team, usually on, on a normal effort. And from what I've seen from Merrimack from a distance, that's almost like the Ed Cooley-Fairfield defense mixed with the John Dunn St. Peter's defense of 2017. That was the CIT team that, that won that championship. Joe Gallo is one of the better coaches in New England and doesn't get enough respect for the job that he's done at Merrimack. I look forward to that team in the conference, maybe making a trip up outside of Boston at least once a year too to see what, what these guys are all about a little more. I've only seen them in person once against St. John's last year. And they forced 29 turnovers on a St. John's team that had Joel Soriano. So I think the Max being very proactive. I've heard rumors about realignment not being done yet. I won't speculate any further. But if it goes to 13, you're going to have a very strong quality lead. All right. Well, Jaden, as always, uh, we really appreciate uh, you coming on. And, uh, you know, you're one of the Islander fan base's favorites, as you know, uh, because you've always uh, – 
you've always given us great coverage. Uh, so, and, uh, and even though you are a St. John's guy by your nature, you're not really a St. John's guy, which makes us only more endeared to you. So appreciate you coming on. Uh, what did you think of St. John's versus Pace, by the way? You might as well share a quick thought on that. I, w I wasn't there. I was at Fordham. So oh. I, I was watching from a distance and I'll tell you, I, I was admittedly satisfied. Yes. <laughs> my, my connections to St. John's and my degree and my credential, I was never a fan. I've just covered them. And because Massiello and DJ are there and those are my two guys, I have a want to see them succeed just for those, for the sake of those two guys. But yeah. Yeah, I have I have maroon and gold in my family. My mother went to Iona, and was there when Jimmy V was coaching. So, the Gales has been a part of my history for all thirty seven years I've been alive. And you've been a part of this podcast uh, for for the last three years, and, and now four years. So, we appreciate you coming on. We'll have you on again during the year again, and uh, sure we'll catch up as we get ready for wow another MAC tournament. Um, so, thank you again for coming on, Jaden, and we will talk to you again soon. Thanks, as always, to Jane Daly for stopping by the pod. The first two games went as I predicted, sort of. And now we turn our eyes to Florida and Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for all of you for listening to my inane prattle each episode. That's for sure. Anyway, go Gales. Thank you for listening to this edition of the IonaHoops.com podcast. This podcast is a production of IonaHoops.com with publisher Guy Filatico. The opinions shared during this podcast are those of Guy Filatico, IonaHoops.com, and any featured guests. This podcast is not affiliated with Iona University Athletics or the university itself. Thank you for supporting IonaHoops.com.